0: it's the musical theater book club let's talk about a show welcome to musical theater book club where we talk about our favorite musicals our least favorite musicals and everything in between i'm berkeley i'm sarah and today we are doing hamilton part two Woo! Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah i think we can basically get right into it okay first things first let's talk about
1: so it came out Mm -hmm. on disney plus we watched it so the show
0: the show it was on there we watched it (laughs) (laughs) not together we watched it separately
1: so before we get into it we will put a timestamp for when the end of us talking about it is just in case i mean we obviously had a whole episode already talking about the show but just in case you haven't seen it yet because we might go into some you know specifics about exactly like that recording of the show and i don't want someone to listen to this and then they for some reason haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet. Yeah. If you haven't, watch it.
0: Watch it. Get Disney Plus. Serve free trial for Disney Plus.
1: Get- There's not. I heard that they took it oh. off like maybe a week before this came out.
0: Smart. That's smart. But it's
1: like I think it's the cheapest streaming network.
0: It's only yeah. It's only like seven bucks a it's month. It's the
1: cheapest you're ever gonna get to see Hamilton. Yes. Like ever. it's
0: worth it. And I mean,
1: it's less than the lottery.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's definitely worth it. So what were your thoughts? Because, I mean, you've seen it a bunch of times. How, how do you think it compares? So
1: I was like, I'm not going to cry. It's going to be <laughs> fine. It's all good. I thought about staying up because we're on the West Coast, so it came out at midnight our time. I thought about staying up, but I was like, I'm an old lady. Screw it. I'll just watch it in the morning. So I, I always wake up around 5, and I usually go back to bed. But I was like, all right, I'm going to watch it. Went out, turned it on, got to what's-your-name man, Alexander Hamilton, started bawling. <laughs> Cried probably during the first whole... Not the whole first act, but probably the first half of it. Pretty much every time someone came out, I same. Was like, oh. yeah. <laughs> like, just tears. Like, just so emotional. It was so beautifully shot. Like that thing too. It's not just like, it, I mean, you know, it's not a slime tutorial. Like, it's not <laughs> just like, just the staging. Like, you know, they zoom in on certain parts. You, they have like different camera movement, which I thought was beautiful. And then obviously I cried during the normal parts so of that, yeah. too. Like by the end, I was bawling. And then I watched it a second time. Um, <laughs> That night too and continued to cry
0: yes i yeah i think i spent up through skylar sisters just bawling my eyes out um my mom looked at me at the the end of um the opening song and she looked at me and was like you're already crying and i was like mom shut up i miss theater so much (laughs) no i think that's a lot of it too it's just
1: like there's no theater right now like it's just it's such a beautiful show and not even related to just, like, the very current things, but there's just been a lot of stuff the past few years that you're just not feeling the greatest about our country, mm. and obviously the actual people weren't great, but also just, it has, it has this feeling of you don't feel embarrassed. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you're <It's>, like, oh.
0: <laughs> I think I was sitting there watching it during, during, when I first started crying, and I think a lot of it for me was just, like, the fact that I missed being able to go and see and do theater um, I was just I was so it was, it's just beautiful it was nice to see like a nicely recorded show I think the best part too is that Thomas Cale directed both the stage show but then also directed this uh, pro shoot and I think that was the best idea because if anyone he knows what needs to be highlighted
1: yeah I was really surprised when I saw his name because I didn't realize like they probably had said that before but I just hadn't realized that that was what was going on um, yeah, it was just, I mean, it was wonderful getting to actually see everyone, seeing all the, just seeing it, and like I said the, already, that they had, you know, close-ups, and one of the things, too, is, yes, I've seen it multiple times, but I've never been close enough to really see their faces. Like, you can hear the songs, you can hear their voices, you can see their body movements, but being able to really see, like, the emotion on their, especially during, like, It's Quiet uptown and just, like, uh-huh. Eliza just being so stone cold, like, done with it, and, like, so upset, it's just, like... Wow. <laughs> Philippa
0: Sue is very different than what I've seen for most Elizas. Like, the two, I mean, the two times I've seen it, she she is more outward emotion, where I think the other Elizas that I've seen are very more, or that are more inward, if that makes sense at all. I, I like, I think the two biggest points are when she, like, does a scream when, spoiler alert, Philip dies, <laughs> and um, the ending when the gas, because I think both those moments... I mean, maybe maybe the other Elizas have always screamed during uh, when Philip dies, but the gasp at the end is never as outward as that one was.
1: I agree with that. I, I think, you know, I've seen it. And, like, some, yeah, some of them have just kind of been like, and I'm like, oh.
0: hmm Like. Yeah. Do we need to talk about Jonathan Groff?
1: Yeah, so the, the fun part about it, too, is just seeing what was trending, especially, so one of my favorite things about it, too, is... That this was the first time a lot of people got to see the show. Uh-huh. And so, getting that, like, I was very excited, obviously, for myself, but I was also really excited for people who have never seen the show uh-huh. to finally see, like, what is this thing that she is so freaking obsessed with? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, like, oh, no, she's not crazy. This is a beautiful show. Yeah. And so, it was really fun being on Twitter multiple times yesterday and seeing what was trending, what specifically were things people were talking about. So, yeah, Jonathan Groff was one of them. <laughs> Um, The other thing that was trending a lot, which I was really excited about, I didn't mention before, but I think out of everyone who I was most excited to see was Dobby Diggs. Yeah. And this is in no way insulting to anyone else who's ever played Lafayette slash um, Jefferson. They've always done great. But I have never seen someone who can rap to his level. Mm -hmm. And he is just... And I've listened to some of his stuff from his rap group and stuff, and he is just that quick and that good. So he was trending a lot on... Um, social media yesterday of people just being like, Oh my god, he's so good I'm like, Yes, yes <laughs> he, he <really> is, is.
0: <laughs> so when I saw this last time with my family, my mom was super sick. Um and we all like my mom was like, There's no way I'm missing this show. Like I have to go see Hamilton. We have tickets but it was she was deadly ill, which so it probably wasn't the best thing for her to go sit in a theater, but um Act one was fine for her, but act two, she, she was exhausted. It was middle of the week for her because she was still working and she ended up falling asleep during one last time. But there's this moment where, where Washington starts riffing at the end and she just like, I looked over and she was like asleep. And then as soon as he started riffing, she like rose from the sleep, her slumber. <laughs> and it was the funniest thing. But what I didn't realize is that during act two, my mom kept having coughing attacks and she walked out at the end of the show. So she didn't hear the finale. Uh, So when Eliza came out and they like, she's like, um, like they have that whole moment where they're like, okay, who tells his story now? And Eliza comes out. She started crying because she didn't realize that's what happens at the end. It was a nice moment because, I mean, obviously, I've bawled, like, almost the whole time. And then I look over and she's, like, wiping tears. And I was like, oh, thank God. Somebody else is crying for once.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is of the reason why I got up and watched it the, that morning. Because, like, I knew I was going to be the only person crying. And I was like, I just need to get through it and yeah. get all my tears out. <laughs> so, there were, so they also had a watch party mm-hmm. um, last well, we're, we're recording the day after. Mm-hmm. So they also had a watch party that night after it came out. And, I mean, a lot of people were tweeting about it. But Lynn and Vin- his wife, Vanessa, both had constant tweets about it. I'm not going to go through all of them, obviously. So there's going be a lot of tweets. But there were some that were really funny. And there was just some really good tweets out there. So some of the, some of the really good ones I literally liked was...
0: I know Lynn did a countdown before the show. Yeah, I that was that. one of the
1: things I loved. Like the stage director. Stage manager calls. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I saw, the one that I saw was like the 30 Minutes. <laughs> That was the only one I really saw. I forgot. I mean, I knew they had a watch party, but I didn't think about, like, oh, get on Twitter and see what people are doing. Actually, watch with people. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I didn't, didn't even, about... like, for some reason, I knew it was 730, but I forgot that it was, like, East Coast time. So by the time I remembered, uh... it was, like, too late. It would have been too late for our time anyway, because yeah. it was, like, 8 o'clock, like, our time. But I was like, oh, dang it. But it was kind of nice at the same time, because I'm like, oh, now I can go through and, like, read what everyone wrote.
0: Yeah, okay, I'm going to have to go through. Uh...
1: Oh, so Alex Lacamore had said that everybody is singing live, y'all, while dancing that hard and sounding as good as that. Bravo to the amazing performances, our family, love you all. And I think it's one of those things where it's like, if you've been to any live theater, you know, but especially these ones where they're just constantly singing and dancing and especially these sung through shows, like, they don't even get pauses where they're just getting to talk and do the acting parts. It is literally singing, dancing, moving all the time, all the time, especially those main ones like Hamilton, Burr, Jefferson, like, all of those main ones, like, the time and I'm like I can barely just have a conversation <laughs> or dance let alone trying to do those together and not sound like I'm like and then they like speaking of Jonathan Groves, Lynn did say King George's spit Drool is truly transgressive in twenty twenty mercy me. <laughs> my my favorite somewhat related someone said a hey, we should start a petition to replace all the Thomas Jefferson statues with David Diggs <laughs> and I agree. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> he he's our truest founding father. Yes. The only other thing was, um, I know that one of the big questions was, what is the editing going to be like? And Lynn had answered this mm. a couple days prior, of, like, people were so concerned about being on Disney, and they're like, well, Disney is this big, wholesome company, which, like you had mentioned before, I don't think on our air, but I know we had talked about this before. They have The Simpsons on there. Like, yeah. Like, they're not going to edit. The editing was so minimal. The only thing yeah. is, because of the way that it is to rate movies, they had to cut... Um, both both of the books. but I was talking to my boyfriend about this last night too, and we were talking about because you know originally it was supposed to be released in theaters, and I was like, you know, we were wondering what like if they would have left them in, but they probably would have cut them anyway because they wouldn't have wanted that R rating.
0: Yeah, would they have to? Would they have had to go to an R rating?
1: You can only even have one. Oh. So I'm not sure if the half counts if that's why because they have the fur.
0: Yeah. Which and is what le- they which, was, which left. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I don't know if like because it was Disney, they just wanted to be safer, or Sorry. if that counts in either way, it wouldn't have mattered. But even still, they would have had to at least cut one of them mm-hmm. if, when it was in theaters. So I know people were, like, so concerned about it, but everything else, they left all the
0: yeah, no, bastards
1: and bitches and shit in there. Yeah, and like...
0: yeah those, those F-bombs are the only thing. And I, I I will say it is kind of disappointing when they get to the southern... Yeah, that that was
1: the one I wish they had kept in.
0: Yeah, because you want to do it, and then it's just silent for, like, a millisecond, which is upsetting. But it's, I mean, it doesn't affect it in any other way. Like, it's still, you're still watching Hamilton.
1: (laughs) And the only other thing, too, and this might just be me not knowing about musical theater, not knowing that much about, like, the technical aspects, Mm -hmm. and if you're really dumb, I didn't realize that Alex Lackmore was, like, actually doing the orchestration. Like, I knew he did it, but I thought it was, like, one of those things, you know, like, how the writers write the show and they're usually not yes. in it. Like, I thought it was like that.
0: So he is a little different. So since he is, he's more of a collaborator, he'll do orchestrations for people, but a lot of the time, and I think this is one of the things that makes their show so great, is he also music directed it. Basically, the way they work, from my knowledge, is Lin will write basic songs like he'll do like lead sheets type things which are just like lyrics and chords essentially and maybe he'll have a couple I- other ideas in there and then Alex Lacamoire will come in and flesh it out which is the job of an orchestrator and a lot of a lot of shows will have an orchestrator come in and do this however the orchestrator usually does not stay on with the project Alex Lacamoire does stay on with the project at least with Lynn um, and I think that's what one of the, that makes their collaboration so tight is that they do work hand in hand basically the whole time
1: yeah because that was my other I think just favorite thing was at the very end when after the bows and then they yes. and like Alex Lockmore just pops up and I was like oh yeah. but yeah I had no idea like I just never realized yeah
0: yeah it's so cool a lot of the time music directors don't they're literally just brought in to uh, to teach the music and be done and sometimes the music directors don't even stay on and conduct um usually they'll sometimes they'll just bring on a conductor when we're talking like professional, obviously it's a little regional and like what I do is different. Yeah, I thought that was cute. I love that they do that. There was, a, there was like a, a post that was like, I think it was, or Lynn tweeted it, I think. And it was like, whenever I visit Alex in the pit, you know, there's going to be a picture. And it was like four different shots from like a, the pit camera or the conductor camera that they have of like Lynn, um, like poking his head in <laughs> visiting Alex. And it's so funny. We talked about this a little bit last week, uh, but our first topic is going to be Ham for Ham.
1: So Ham for Ham started... So like we said last week, they had a lottery. It's one of the first, not first shows to have a lottery, but it's one of, it's been a while since shows have had lotteries. And it seems like because of this, more shows have, which is awesome. And so one of the things was, you know, people, so many people were showing up for the Hamilton lottery that they started Ham for Ham, which was a, I don't know, it was like a short event. You know, we watched a few of them. There's some online. We'll talk about that in a moment. But some people come out, they would do like a song or like a little skit, something for the people, even if they didn't win so that, you know, it is one of those things where it's like they didn't have to do this. Like, I can't imagine anyone being like, oh, I'm gonna go get tickets, and I didn't win the lottery, and they didn't do anything for me? Well, I'm never coming back. Like, this was totally something awesome that they just did extra, and I mean, some of them are really funny, too. Like, they have some really fun ones.
0: It wasn't, like, an every everyday thing, either. It was only matinee days right oh is that what it was
1: oh i don't know i couldn't i don't
0: remember i feel like it was matinee days and it was it was done in between shows
1: that makes that probably makes more sense yeah because it's always light out when they show them yeah
0: yeah Uh, but i do remember seeing something about fridays so maybe they did like wednesdays and fridays were on wednesdays weren't they i don't know this is so irrelevant to anything it doesn't matter
1: (laughs) So I couldn't find an exact time that Ham for Ham started. Like, I couldn't find the exact day of when it started. I don't know if you could. I did see that Rory O'Malley took over after Lynn left. And then it it ended the end of
0: August 2016. So it ran for over a year,
1: which is really cool. And, you know, it's cool that someone else took over
0: when Lynn left. The first Ham for Ham took place uh, July 2015, two days after previews began.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't realize it started that early.
0: Either did I. That's super early.
1: So it ran for a little over a year, which is pretty cool. It feels Mm -hmm. like it was so much longer.
0: It does. It really does. <laughs> like I'm
1: I like, think, oh, that's it. I thought it ran for like three years. Like it felt like it went on forever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Even like looking at videos, you're like, there are so many of them. It's fun. It's like one of those fun things that you can get like stuck in the rabbit hole of uh ham for ham. I definitely did that with a couple. Like there there were ones that I had no idea existed and I'm like, why have I never heard this? What? So I noticed the one that we both have is the Skylar Georges. Like that one's flawless. We have to. <laughs>
1: I loved it. It was just I wasn't sure when I first saw it. I was like, "Oh, are they gonna change the song?" And I was like, "Oh no, no, they're just all performing." And I mean, who doesn't love? Oh my God, why? This happened last time we talked it's about
0: him too. Ryan Darcy James, Andrew Reynolds, and Jonathan Groff. Jonathan
1: correct? Groff. Why do I keep forgetting his name lately? <laughs> Every time I keep forgetting it, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love seeing? I mean, the other two are great too, but you know, Jonathan Groff is just—he's a little treasure.
0: So plus, like, it's a whole. So if you haven't seen the video, it's a miscast version of Skylar sisters and then Renee Ellis Goldsberry is Burr for like the two times he comes on and it's just it's so good there was a moment as I was watching it where she uh goes up to Jonathan Groff who's playing Angelica and I was like this is so funny because she's just talking to her own character <laughs> and I had like a moment of that
1: there was even another minor part where like David and I think it was Oak like mm. are walking by and I'm just
0: like yeah, and that was so much.
1: They're looking for me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I laughed so hard. <laughs> Another one I had that I really liked only because I really like this band. The Skivvies came and performed Ham for Ham. And I don't know, I think it was a Christmas one. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but they performed a song and if you don't know who the skivvies are it's lauren molina and nick searley who are both broadway actors and they both are musicians as well and they do what they called stripped down covers of all these songs and they also perform in their underwear They're great. I love them. If you don't know them, look them up. They're a fun rabbit hole to go down because also at their shows, they invite other actors. So Lynn's performed with them. Ryan Redmond has performed with them. All these different people have performed with them. I went and saw them do a song when I was in New York, they were invited guests. So they only did one song, but they're just so good. And they're both so talented. And I, I just, wanted to get their name out there <laughs>
1: <laughs> so another one i didn't watch as many as i think berkeley did but there is a lot and we will link on our twitter there is a whole playlist on youtube which is nice that they're all just together in one spot and i want to say there's like 104 in that playlist so there's so many but another one that i really liked i am and i think you watched this one too was which was the last one but it was congratulations which is a cut song which is in the mixtape and we'll talk about it in a moment but it's a song that angelica sings it comes between kind of like around the Reynolds pamphlet time before bird and it's just oh, it's just really good and it's like a nice like I don't know it's not what you would expect for them to do for the last ham for ham but it's also really good like I was really surprised when I was like oh wait this is the last one like you think they would have done something else but I kind of like that they didn't just do like one last time or whatever that they did something kind of different which was cool
0: Mm -hmm. I agree I like that a lot and a lot of the times these ham for hams are very very small, very stripped down. So you only have like one or two people performing, maybe maybe three or four. I think one of my favorite ones, though, is Alex Lackmore comes out with the orchestra and they do the playoff music at the end of the show, which isn't in the recording. And it's like this giant medley of songs from the show that Alex Lackmore put together. And I'm like, oh, this is so good. I really like this one.
1: I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, I didn't watch that.
0: Yeah, it, but that it, sounds it, awesome. It starts with like the, the instrumental or the dance break from Yorktown and then goes into Ah, satisfied, I want to say, and a couple other ones. It's really good. The other thing that's big to note about Ham for Ham is they bring in guests all the time because obviously theater community, they have a lot of friends. Two of my favorites that they did were Mandy Gonzalez and Christopher Jackson. I don't think when they did this, Mandy Gonzalez was in the show. I don't think. But they did When the Sun Goes Down from in the Heights. And that's one of my favorite songs in that show, so I love it. And then another time, they didn't do this outside. They did it in one of the dressing rooms, but Lynn and Audra McDonald saying saying no to this, but at the time Audra McDonald was doing the billy Holiday show, so she sang Mariah Reynolds' part as billy Holiday, and Ooh. it's so funny. <laughs> like I love Audra McDonald so much.
1: Speaking of the bringing people in, I did see I didn't see the Mandy Gonzalez one, but I did see they had one with Karen Olivia. Oh God, what did they sing? Ninety six thousand, which is one of my favorite songs from huh? the night.
0: <laughs> so. Yes, and
1: again, that. another one with Chris
0: Jackson. So I was just like, uh, I just love all this crossover. The the one that makes my soul so happy is their first digital one. Did you see what that one was? Mm-mm. Their first digital one is the Alan Menken medley. And it's just Lynn and Alan Menken at a piano. And they do a Little Mermaid medley. And for those of you who don't know Lynn, like, L- Little Mermaid is what made him start like really get into musical theater. He loves Little Mermaid so much. And it made my soul so happy to see him with like someone. who I got really emotional right now. <laughs> it's fine. It just made my soul really happy to see him with someone who had so much influence on his life and it's adorable. And I love Alan Mankin, so you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we we mentioned it briefly and I think this is a good time to transition to it. So after Ham for Ham, you know, we had Obviously, the cast recording came out, but then after that, so Lynn tweeted in November of 2016 that they had created a mixtape. I'm sure I can't remember if there's tweets before that or not, but that was like his big final like we made a mixtape of Hamilton songs. And between November and December 2016, when it released, some of the songs got released before So that same day, November 3rd, Quiet Uptown by Kelly Clarkson, and then My Shot by The Roots were released, and then a couple more were released before the entire mixtape. And so the mixtape is a really fun combination. I can't remember where I saw, but one time someone had described it as like, not everyone loves Hamilton, but Hamilton has so many different fans. And it's almost like people who are fans of the show getting to perform the songs. So some of them are Popular artists performing songs from the show. Some of them are songs that were cut from the show, performed. Some of them are just other,
0: just other Hamilton-related songs that were made. I think this mixtape is nice because it gives us the idea of what Lynn was originally visualizing for Hamilton or what he was really thinking about. And I think it gives us the chance to sort of listen to what his thought process was before it became a piece of theater, because obviously they have to do a bunch of stuff to make it work as a piece of theater and on stage, but as a mixtape, he can really go for it and they go for it with the mixtape. So I have a couple of songs saved. I saved satisfied. I love Sia. I love queen Latifah. Miguel is okay too. I, I don't have anything against him, but I, I love, satisfied so much i have congratulations which i know you want to talk about and then burn by andre day also i really love the kelly clarkson version of it's quiet uptown i'm
1: gonna end up contradicting myself later in this <laughs> but overall my favorites are the ones that are not covers although i did on the relist and i did actually like burn more than i did Real before i was like oh this isn't bad but i'm like i don't need a pop version of wait for it leslie does it beautifully why would i want to listen to any other version <laughs> like so i usually don't really care for the pop covers i like the ones that are either cut songs or like remixes so like second, and i kind of mentioned already congratulations is probably probably my all-time favorite out of everything not cast recording but i fucking love <laughs> Congratulations. It's so good. I am glad it's not in the show. I don't think it would have worked in the show. But it is so it is so good. And the alliteration when she's like, I languished in a loveless marriage in London. I loved only to read your letters every time I'm just like, God, it's so good. So I love congratulations. <laughs> um, And then I, wrote, I also put down I like the cabinet battle three. Um, You know, we talked when we last week when we talked about Hamilton, we talked about one of the critiques being that they didn't talk a lot about like, you know, they mentioned the slave owning, but they don't really talk about it. like this entire song is about, you know, do we free the sleeves now? Or do we, you know, push it off and wait? And then I like wrote my way out.
0: Going back a bit, I will agree with you that I tend to like the newer songs more than the covers, which is funny because most of what I had on there were the covers. I know like I'm now contradicting myself for me, the covers are more related to the show, which is nice. And I think that's why I ended up saving them a little more. But I don't necessarily want, like a like you said, a pop cover of Wait For It. At the same time, the songs that aren't covers, or even the ones that are covers, but they change things to it, I feel like they're very removed to, from the show. But then they are also, like, more modern and updated, which I do like.
1: So we have the <clears throat> mixtape, you know, it debuted at number one on the Billboard, which was uh, awesome. I mean... How how often again, we talked about this so much last week, but it's like, Can you imagine like any other show where there's someone's like, We're gonna make a bunch of, you know, covers and remixes of these songs and it debuts number one on Billboard. Not like Billboard like soundtracks, like billboard by itself. So I just thought that was awesome. So then there's the Hamel Drops. So originally, this was going to be a volume two of the mixtape. But then Lynn said he was having trouble compiling a second album that satisfied him as much as the first one. So instead of making a mixtape volume two, we got the Hamill Drops.
0: The drops were all sung by artists, like they had the Decemberist, Weird Al did one, The Regrets, uh, Sarah Bareilles, and a number of other peoples. Obama actually participated in the last one, too, which I think is awesome. So do you have any favorites?
1: Before I say my favorites, so the first, yeah, so like you said, it's very similar to the mixtape, whereas... You know, some of them recover. covers, some of them are songs that were cut, different things. So it started in the end, um, December 2017 with the Benjamin Franklin song, which was actually a cut song, which like, is so weird. So out of like, I don't even think they mentioned Ben Franklin once in the show. So that's good that they cut this song. I'm like, I have no idea where. I'm pretty sure this was like a very early cut because I'm like, I don't even know where this would have been. And then it ended, like you said, Obama participated. So the last one was December two thousand eighteen, and we had one last time the forty four remix which had Obama on it, which I I cry just because it's just like, it's a nice circular, like completion of Hamilton. You know, it started with Lynn and the poetry thing and then kind of ends with this. So it's really good. But again, this is where I'm going to contradict myself <laughs> hmm. because my favorite, my favorite Hamill drop, the best, the, I will say it's the best one. I'm sorry. If you say it's something else, then you're wrong <laughs> is burn. The, The Burn one, oh my god, the five different, it's the five different Elizas who were currently on tour when the song came out, or like on tour or like in the Chicago one, and it is just oh my god their vocals together is so beautiful it has some slight lyric changes and just I'm really mad that Lynn released it so early because I think it was like the fourth one to be released because nothing lived up to expectations after that like I was like ready I was like oh my god this is so good and then I was like but we had this this beautiful masterpiece so slightly contradicting because it's kind of a cover but it is so beautiful like Mm -hmm.
0: It is. It's on my list too. I feel like I remember when the Hamel Drops were coming out, the first couple I was really into, and then I slowly just started losing interest. But I did listen to them um, going through I the one one of them that I really love is the Hamilton Polka by Weird Al it's so funny and like you can't not laugh at it it's so ridiculous I love Weird Al
1: so I don't love it but I love it for Lynn. <laughs> like because I know he's a big Weird Al fan and kind of like you had mentioned like the ham for ham with Alan Menken like kind of the same thing like I know Lynn's like a really big Weird Al fan and like they both got their star at the same time and like all that stuff so I it's not my favorite and I'm not a big Weird Al fan but just knowing that like lynn likes weird al and he was probably loved it i just like i'm happy for
0: him <laughs> uh, yeah it's one of those things that's like a fun listen to once and then you never really have to listen to it again the other one that i think is really important to mention and it's honestly probably the most famous one is found tonight this is the duet with Ben Platt and Lynn, and it's a mashup of You Will Be Found and The Story of Tonight. And it's it's almost it's crazy how it sort of has gone into the world, the world of entertainment now, because I've seen it in a lot of different avenues. Like I was looking at choir music the other day and someone did a choir arrangement of it. I, I think it's really good. I, I It's a really sweet. Moment. I think it's a cool mashup between two shows that we don't don't normally get to see.
1: And then the other important thing about that too, it's not just you know obviously it's a beautiful song and like you said great mashup, but also part of it coming together and part of the proceeds went to the Stoneman Douglas High School. So this it came out about a month after that it happened.
0: The last one that I want to mention really fast is "Cheering for Me Now," right? Right? Okay, cool. (laughs) So it's a cut song from the show and it takes place when New York uh, adopts the constitution and they throw a parade for Hamilton and Hamil- er, Hamilton <laughs> and Lynn wrote the lyrics, obviously. And he teamed up with John Cander, which is the coolest thing like Cander from Cander and Ebb that's so cool and then like they got a whole orchestra for it and i was listening to it and i was like this is literally john kander's music (laughs) like i was listening to it and i was like i can see this this sound like one of his other shows
1: like it's another one that like it doesn't doesn't really work in the show
0: but it's just so beautiful i agree and i think a lot of these extra things that we've been given sort of follow that they wouldn't work in the show i mean there's a reason a lot of them were cut or they aren't in there for they aren't in there for a reason they just don't work but it's nice to have this extra lore if we can call it that it reminds me a lot of like harry potter
1: you know we've we've seen big shows in the past like it's not like hamilton's the first show to be a groundbreaking show but like and i am excited to see in 10 20 years what the next one will be but right now it is like this is like the biggest thing we have had in a long time and as we're seeing and we're talking about all these extra things I kind of we had mentioned we talked about the one last time remix for the Hamilton drop and how that's a nice ending the other thing that they did which I think is just again just kind of a completion of full circle is they had some of the cast I don't think it was the whole cast but some of the cast went to I don't know exactly what the event was but it was during obama's final days in office and they went and sang one last time and so you know chris jackson singing it. and again this isn't me talking about politics but just the fact that this show started with the poetry thing at the beginning of obama's presidency back in like 2009 and then this kind of just complete circle ending it's just like There's just something really magical about it. And again, it's just, it's a really nice video. We'll put it on our YouTube, but I forgot that they had this like final performance and Chris Jackson needs to be in more shows. Like, I mean, obviously we've heard it before, but like, I don't know, just something about hearing him like belting out at the end. I'm like, you know, we always talk about Leslie and we talk about like some of the other big ones, but I feel like Chris Jackson doesn't get talked about enough. And I'm like, please, please put you in more shows, please. I will pay to see you in more things. So I just wanted to throw that one in there because it's a nice... Nice full circle.
0: So modern musicals, as they become a big hit, they start releasing all these different type of souvenir things. We see it more and more. I don't know. I'd be interested to go back in time and see if they were selling like souvenir stuff at earlier shows. Like when did that start? What was the first show to really start creating merchandise? Because I'm sure it's a fairly modern thing. That was a thought I just had that I needed to throw in there. (laughs) But one thing that Hamilton did, which a couple other shows have done, is they released a book that is all about sort of the development of their show, which I think is awesome. It's called Hamilton, the revolution.
1: I if you're even a casual Hamilton fan, I highly recommend either buying this book or renting it from the library. It is so beautifully done. Like it's so well put together. And I mean, it is a little bit expensive. I I usually don't try to say buy books on Amazon. That's a whole separate thing. But (laughs) I would recommend buying it from Amazon because it's the cheapest place you're going to find it. Like, I know they sell it at the, like, on the tours and stuff, but it's, like, $50. You're going to get it on Amazon for, like, a little over 20 But it's It's well worth the money. It's so beautifully put together. Um, They have tons of interviews with like, well, with Lynn, but with all the other creators, they have interviews with the cast, things that I never knew. Like one of the things that I remember from when I read it was originally Renee almost didn't do the show. Like she had just had a baby or adopted a baby. I can't remember. And so it was like right after that. So originally she almost didn't do the show. And then I can't remember. I think she like read the script and was like, oh no, this is really good or something like that. But like, So like little things like that, like there's interviews and then there's parts where it goes through the lyrics and like breaks down some different things of like, oh, this is where I got this information or this is where I got this idea. I mean, it's stuff that you can probably still find on the internet, but it's just it's compiled all in one spot. It's, you know, the book has the I'm also a huge book nerd. So like, this is just me like book nerding out right now. But like the sides of the book have that sort of texture where it just looks old timey. And it's just it's it's well worth the money like I feel like some of the books you're like okay eh, I kind of spent this money and it's not really worth it no this one is definitely worth the money
0: mm-hmm. I agree I think I got it gifted to me and I for like Christmas or my birthday or something but I really like it I, I've read through it I try to read through all those books because as somebody who likes the back end of musical theater and like composes his cell uh, him myself himself I don't know <laughs> what the proper word is there Um, It's nice. It's interesting to see those like little details of how the show's created. I really I really enjoy that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, still haven't read the biography it's based off, but I read this one. So at least I got one of the Hamilton books done.
0: (laughs) Hey, one is better than none. So the next thing that's also super big is Hamilton's America. It was part of PBS's great performance series, which is a great series if you haven't watched it. But it delves deep into the creation of the show. And it gave us the first look at the show with clips from the original cast. And it also includes interviews with experts, musicians, performers, and prominent personalities. And
1: I found this on YouTube. So again, we'll tweet this out too. I mean, you guys are always welcome to look it up. But we can always just go to our Twitter and we have everything compiled there. So I know I did watch this when it came out. But I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch it again just to like re-refresh myself. (laughs) (laughs)
0: i i watched it when it first came out i remember yeah it's really good i really enjoyed watching it it's a it's a well-done documentary the other uh, another thing that they started was hamilton the exhibition and you've been right no no no, you didn't
1: oh you this is why i'm so excited to talk about this because i have a lot of feelings and they are not good (laughs) So yeah, so the Hamilton exhibition was on I can't remember the name of the island, but this like small little side island in Chicago. And I remember again, obviously, you guys, I'm crazy. (laughs) Like we talked about this last week. I've seen the show a billion times. I have a tattoo. I have all the books like I am obsessed. So naturally, my first thought was, oh my god, I need to go to this. So I was so excited. It ran from April to august of last year 2019 and so a little backstory i teach so i was like perfect i can go during my spring break this is awesome we can make a trip of it so my boyfriend and i were going to go to pittsburgh because we have some friends there and then we were going to fly over to chicago for the second half i was like this is awesome if you remember in early 2019 i was about to say 2009 early 2019, they had that really cold front in like the Chicago area where like things were like zero degrees and businesses had to close and it wasn't safe to be going out. So keeping that in mind, they still put their tickets on sale. I bought my tickets. I got my hotel room, super excited. And then I bought the hotel room where it's non-refundable because it's cheaper. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. I already got my tickets for everything. It's all good. You know, I waited to book my hotel till afterwards. Then they decided they weren't ready to open yet. (laughs) I was hissed. I'm still mad I'm like I don't care if this makes me sound really petty I'm still mad to this day because when they once they had decided it's not like they had decided like oh god we have this cold front and now we can't we're it's gonna push us back they had put their tickets after that part had already ended like the whole weather thing and all that and I'm like don't sell tickets if you're not ready yet because otherwise if I hadn't like I could have just gone in the summer but I'd already booked my hotel. My hotel was non-refundable. So we had a choice where it was like, we go to Chicago and I just don't get to go to the exhibit. And, but like, my hotel's already done and the tickets were refunded, but that's not the point. So I was, I was very mad. I'm still (laughs) very mad. It was supposed to open early April. It didn't open until April 27th. But the other thing when I was looking it up to like remind myself like the exact, like what happened and the other thing, they also closed two weeks early and they did the same thing. They're supposed to close September 8th. And then there was all these like conflicts where there was like a Cubs game and I think there's like a concert or something, which I'm like, aren't these things all like pre done? Wouldn't you have already known? So they did the same thing where they sold tickets up to September 8th, ended up closing early August and refunded those people. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the exhibit could have been really cool, but they did a lot of really shady things like that. And then it was supposed to go on tour and then it was like, oh no, it's too big and too heavy and would cost too much to go on tour. And I read this article, which I'll post, but it was like, I think the article was titled like why it was cursed from the beginning or something like that. And someone had said that one of the problems is where it was located. It said it was like a lot of like, it felt like it was almost like Instagram baiting. And you can go to the website and you can see pictures like it's looks very beautiful. But people were like, it's more just it felt like almost like the Museum of Ice Cream or the World of Color, like one of those where it's like you go to take your Instagram photos, but you're not going to like learn something. And that they said it was almost like the Disney World's Hall of Presidents without the rest of the park, because there's like nothing else to do on the island. Like you go, you go and you do the Hamilton exhibit, but it's not like there's like a bunch of like other stuff to do in that area. So then you have to like, go back into
0: Chicago afterwards. Huh? I didn't, I didn't know all of that. (laughs) I had no, I mean, I I knew it was
1: really salty about
0: it. Like, Uh,
1: no, I mean, I don't, I don't want to just keep going off. I was just, and it's just, it is a really big bummer because the person who did the set pieces were designed by the same person who did the set design for the actual musical. They had parts where you can go on tour and like listen to Lynn doing parts of it. So it could have been really, really amazing. But I think the fact that it they pushed back their opening date, they closed early, and the fact that they said they were going to tour and then were like, oh no, it's too big and we can't, just was like, kind of made it just like a... And again, it's like you didn't have to go on a giant tour, but it's like you couldn't move it to like two other places, like like a West Coast and an East Coast spot.
0: I know, especially because they built, like the whole building and everything was built for the exhibit, right? Yeah, so it, uh, yeah. it almost feels like, I mean, Miss Saigon went on tour, come on yeah and it's not
1: like this was like for like some weird like off-brand show that people aren't putting in you know thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into seeing and all the things for it like
0: yeah to some extent i get it because i guess with something like that you can't really guarantee ticket prices but hamilton is such a phenomenon people would go yeah especially especially if they're instagram baiting people people would go but uh, i have to you
1: know one of the other go. great things about hamilton is their education program
0: yes i i think it's great they have so much great things set up with that.
1: So if you don't know what the education program is, they work with, which one of the things I love about it is that they only do it with Title I schools. They don't just do it with regular high schools. So Title I schools, if you don't know, are schools where the population has a certain amount of free or reduced lunch. So it's usually schools that are um, lower income schools. So I think that's important too. you know, I'm not saying that if you don't go to a title one school, people can afford to see the show. But I think it's important that they're allowing people who would not most likely be able to go see the show. They're allowing students to have this experience. They have this whole like lesson program with it. So before the show, the teachers would do all these lessons. There's like an introduction, interviews with Lynn. There's interviews with Ron Chernow. Like they have all of these things beforehand. And then the kids get to go see the show, which is really, really cool.
0: Mm hmm. Did you see the numbers of kids that like got to see the show and all that and how they worked it out? Okay. So the producers made it so 20,000 New York public school students could go see Hamilton for $70 each, but which is a steal to begin with for like Broadway Hamilton. Then the Rockefeller Foundation provided more money and made it so each ticket was $10 per student, which is so cool. So they also did the same thing in Chicago. Again, 20,000 Chicago public school students were able to see the special performance of the show. And then this is where they also got to perform their pieces on stage. Mm -hmm. which I think is awesome.
1: I don't don't know if all the touring cities get it, but I know some do because I remember when it was in San Francisco, some of the like schools in this area, like I remember one up where my parents live, like they got to go. So I don't know, like I said, I don't know if it's every city touring Mm -hmm. city, but even some of the like touring ones, which is cool. Because again, you know, it gives, I mean, it doesn't give everyone access, but it gives more students access to this
0: Mm -hmm. i agree and i think that's really awesome the other thing that they did is hamilton for puerto rico which i think is really awesome so after hurricane maria hit lynn who has family in puerto rico as as we know um used his influence to help the plight of the people of puerto rico and to help also encourage tourism so he opened a restaurant and a merchandise store in his town in the town where he has family and then obviously, they also brought Hamilton to Puerto Rico, which we talked about a little bit last week. He reprised his role as Hamilton, which is awesome.
1: Those are all the big things. There's obviously like little references. There's tons of books. Um, I mean, there's the Hamilton Revolution, but there's just like tons of like small like side note books. There's books with the characters in it. Like there's there's just it's it, there's everything. <laughs> but these are these were the big ones that we just wanted to like throw in there, mention, talk about.
0: So we want you to interact with us. Please interact with us. Sarah, where should they interact with us?
1: So you can email us at mtbcpodcast at gmail.com for Musical Theater Book Club. So you can find us on Twitter, TikTok, or Instagram at mtbcpodcast. We are super fun. For Twitter, we're constantly, like I said, we're constantly putting out any of the content we talk about or we try to. We're just fun on TikTok. (laughs) And then, you know, the usual, make sure you rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. This helps more people find us. And again, if you're watching if you're listening to us and you are not in the US and you leave a review, please email us or tweet it to us because we cannot see reviews outside of the US.
0: Which is just so weird. I don't like that. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have a great week.